Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. So appreciate you guys and uh, hey, I'm excited for this morning. I've got a word in my heart and I'm going to preach on what the, really the word is for this season in our church, which is that wisdom builds the house. And so I want to preach on wisdom this morning. And uh, before I do, I just want to tell you uh, uh, about this week. We were very blessed uh, to have a good portion of our pastoral team be able to go to the Australian Christian Church's National Conference. And that is the church denomination, the church movement that we're a part of. And hey, what a, what a rich history our church movement has. And it was so great to see some real generals of the faith, some legends there who have been serving God in our nation or serving God, representing our nation in other countries. And we are a part of a great church movement, hey. And there are um, just so many great things happening, so many great churches, and it was so good to be inspired to see that. They celebrated at the conference some missionaries to Papua New Guinea from Australia who are in their 90s. And uh, we were able to pray for them and, and we just celebrated them. But as a young pastor, I was so moved by that and inspired by that. I'd love to be 90 and still be going to pastors' conferences and getting touched by God and serving people. So that's very cool. And uh, we were just all so refreshed there. And what was great was as a team, we went and did an escape room. And so I was a part of, um, there was two teams. It was Team Apana versus Team Naveen. And so Team Naveen was myself, Pastor Eli and Pastor Naveen. We were were a team. And then the other team was Apana with Pastor Luke, Pastor Div and Pastor Lauren. Who thinks Pastor Naveen's team won? Just Julia. Who thinks the other team won? Hey, there you go. So good. So good. Well, I won't tell you who won, but as me, Naveen... As, uh, as me and Naveen and Eli were having a coffee waiting for the other guys, um, we just, no, I'm just kidding, just kidding. But we had a good time and it was funny because the lady said to us, hey, the one you guys are going into, um, not many people get out of that room. And she said, in fact, just be careful because someone tried to rip a piece of the wall off. And we all just instinctively looked at Eli and were like, don't do it. Don't do it. But I got a bit pumped at one point because there was like a toilet plunger in a cabinet that we unlocked and we're like, what's this for? And it was actually to like pump air through something to, to reveal a code for a door. But I got a bit excited and I was like, Naveen, I know what we're supposed to do this. And I ran to this whiteboard and just like punched it on and pulled it. Something cracked and they were like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and it reminded me of when Eli was my youth pastor and I'd get a bit excited about something. Let's just do it. All right, just, just relax, George. Just chill out for a little bit. But we had a great time and it's great to be back. Actually, getting to church on Friday night was a bit like an escape room for me and Pastor Div. We nearly didn't make it, but it was great to be here Friday night. And, and I, just, I just so believe everybody that God is doing something great in our church right now. There's so much happening here in our location and in our locations around the world. And just thinking about the last few months we've had here in Perth, we've had uh, Pastor David Hall here, we had Pastor Mark Francie for Rise and Stand, we had Easter, seeing people responding at every service. We're just going to believe God, that God's going to continue to add to our family, add to our church, that people are going to be saved. And we all have a great part to play in that through our serving, through our prayer, and come on through our events 
evangelism. So can I stir you, make the most of this season as God's moving, we've got to get in with that, engage with that, believe for God to use us as He's moving so much in our church. So I'm gonna preach on wisdom builds the house and I got three points on godly wisdom and let's just pray. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us this morning and that we'd all leave stirred and changed in Jesus' name. So why don't you just pray with me? Father, we thank You so much for this morning. God, we're so grateful for Your church. And Lord, we're grateful for this church, our church. And I just pray this morning as we read Your Word, Father, would You, would you change us? Would You speak to us? God, would You, in, in the way that only You can, would You supernaturally minister to us and speak to the areas of our life that we can't see? And Lord, just bring about Your will in our lives. And I just pray, God, that we would each leave here today more in love with You than when we got here. Father, more hungry for You. And God, more in Your will for our lives. In Jesus' mighty Name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Well, I've got a lot of Scripture to read today. I sent it to the tech team and it was pretty much just like, hey, use the, the New Testament. Just take a couple of these bits out. It was... But it's a lot of Scripture, but especially these first two passages, these are profound, powerful Scriptures. And I want to encourage you, if you want to say amen, if you want to get excited, you can, and I think you should. Sometimes we are more rowdy during someone's joke about their kids than when someone's reading some amazing Scripture. So I just want to give you permission, if something in here is, is jumping off the page to you, feel free to get excited. If you want to do a little dance, that's fine. Uh, I checked with Pastor Luke, you can dance and you can run, you can do a lap if you want. I'm just kidding. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. And just the, the title of this chapter will get you jacked. It's Christ crucified is God's power and wisdom. That's what the Bible calls it. So 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18, it's gonna come up on the screen for us. It says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Verse 20, where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know Him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. How good is this? Verse 26, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before Him. It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You know, it's so interesting, like this is just such a opposite of our culture, such an opposite of what 
the world thinks. Even I think at the start where it says, where is the wise person? Where is the teacher? Where is the philosopher? That's half the people on YouTube. They're like, I'm the wise person, the philosopher, the teacher. Come and listen. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, so a little later. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 1. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Woo! Verse 6, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age, not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare... God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. This is such an interesting verse. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him. Woo! I honestly thought someone was going to do a lap, but that's all right. Maybe in the 10.30. (laughs) But hey, wisdom builds the house. God is wanting to build in your life. And God is wanting you to partner with Him in building something great. God is building His church. And to do that for you to be effective in your life, for you to step into the call of God on your life. You need the wisdom of God. I've got to clarify, it's not just you need wisdom, you need godly wisdom. It is with the wisdom of God that we can even begin to build something of significance. You know, Scripture very clearly communicates to us that there are two kinds of wisdom. There's an earthly wisdom, Sometimes it's spoken of as being a demonic wisdom. And then there is a godly wisdom. Church, we need to not be deceived. There is a whole lot of earthly wisdom being celebrated right now as wisdom. If we're not careful, we can value garbage earthly wisdom more than the wisdom of the Word of God. We need to value God's Word and its wisdom more pursue that more. We need to apply and use the wisdom of God's Word more. We need to not come under the earthly counterfeit nonsense that is out there. And so a good question is, who gets to decide what is wise? Um, I would suggest the creator of the heavens and the earth, the Alpha and Omega, and he actually released a really good book, which has a lot of his teachings in it, um, which within it contains his infinite eternal wisdom. How's this for a wise quote? It's on one of those pictures where it's black and white with like a nice tree. It says, trust yourself. You know more than you think. Believe in your instincts. What a load of garbage. (laughs) You know what's so interesting though is if we're not careful, we find ourselves reading those things online going, "Mm." or someone says this, they'll say, listen to your heart, stay true. "Mm." Wisdom. Words of wisdom, words of nonsense. (laughs) The Bible tells me not to listen to my heart, to tell me to not do things that work best for me. 
tells me not to believe in my own instincts, but to believe in God. To say that I don't know more than what I actually think I know. I know nothing. Sorry if you wanted some encouragement this morning. (laughs) Wisdom comes from God. Proverbs 1.7 tells us that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, The fear of God being a reverence, an honour, a surrender, a submission to Him. And James 1 verse 5 tells us that if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who gives it liberally. Who lacks wisdom? Come on, everybody in here. You know, James chapter 3 verse 13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Anybody? Okay, that's good. Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. I'll just read that again. Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. So already, already we see there that it, it is evident. You can see someone is wise by what they do, not necessarily by what they post or what they tell you. It also says that it's done with humility that comes from wisdom. Where there is wisdom, there is humility. Uh, verse 14, but if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly, unspiritual and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Verse 17, here's some good news. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Everybody, wisdom is evident. You can see wisdom in somebody's life if you're looking for the right fruit. That passage lists all observable traits, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, sincere. And again, is that not the antithesis of what the world deems wise? We would say someone who's self-made, ambitious, cutthroat, hustling, cunning, tucked away, working, an alpha. This is, this is the opposite. It's completely the opposite. You know, it talks about having good fruit. Good fruit, at least, is observable. But at best, it's tangible and even measurable. So we know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. Wisdom is observed and wisdom is applying the Word of God. It's seeking to have what's on the pages of the Scripture get into my head, into my heart, onto my hands for His glory and the furthering of His kingdom. We need godly wisdom, everybody. So I've got three points. Point number one is this. Godly wisdom clarifies our responsibility. Godly wisdom clarifies our responsibility. Um, Have you ever seen somebody leaning on a shovel whilst praying for a hole. I've shared this at church before. Thank you for remembering. But um, you drive past somewhere, you see someone leaning on a shovel on a big piece of ground and they're saying, God, just send a hole. Don't you look at that and go, mate, you got a shovel? Dig the hole. You know, a lot of what we're praying and believing uh, for God has provided a solution to through the applied Word of God. If we would, with His help, apply what the Scripture says. Things like, God bless me. 
God, protect me. God, provide for me. Show me who you are. Speak to my future. What should I do? All of those things are in the Word of God. And we discover those things as we apply the Word of God. James 1.2.2, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. The Bible says, don't deceive yourself by merely listening to the Word and not doing what it says. We, we should be maturing in our faith because at some point, a great shift of responsibility happens. God clearly begins the work of God in our life. He ignites it. We can't come to faith without the work of the Holy Spirit. God draws us to Himself. But then we need to, in order to experience what God has for us, partner with the Holy Spirit in applying the Word of God. You know, when I'd first put my faith in Jesus as a 12-year-old in 2005, I needed someone to text me every day, a scripture, a prayer, a how you doing. I needed a youth leader, not to ask if I needed a lift. I needed one to just rock up at my house. And just a quick newsflash, I'm the pastor's kid. I needed all of that stuff. I needed great help at the beginning of my faith journey. I needed someone to not just read me a scripture, but tell me what it meant and then to tell me what to do about it. But at some point in my faith journey, I needed to start to expect more from myself. I needed to uh, uh, grow and develop and mature in my faith in Jesus. And this thought of maturing brings us back to leaning on a shovel whilst praying for a hole. We, we can, if we're not careful, everybody, expect a lot from God and nothing from ourselves. When in fact, God in His grace and His wisdom has, has given us a great many things to do to see what it is that we're believing for. And it's a little bit like the concept of the miracle man, which is very popular in the church and it's very dangerous, which is this idea that I'll just live in in chaos and sin. I won't read my Bible. I'll just go to church. I'll get a nice suit on and go. And the miracle man will wave his magic wand. It's not literally a magic wand. Not many of them have wands. I'm sure there are. Or maybe, a, you know, some sort of magic item. And it's just going to, they're going to wave it over. The Holy Spirit's just going to set me free in that moment. And then I go back to what I was doing, just living a chaotic life. But it's okay, because Sunday's coming. I'll go back to the miracle man. That's, that's very dangerous. And that's demonic. And we don't need the miracle man when we are applying the Word of God. Because you realise that you can actually come under the miracle power of God and His Spirit to help you outwork the wisdom of God. You know, God's Word actually further demonstrates His love for us because it brings clarity to who we are. It brings clarity to how the world works. And it's actually a great deal of safety because without the Bible, a man could control our faith. You know, when we can't change our circumstance through the applied Word of God, the Word can change us. And if we would partner with God in that, we can see a great change in our life. You know, things like prospering, flourishing, can often have a whole lot more to do with our behaviour than our circumstances. You know, God wanting us to prosper doesn't mean that challenges won't come and that in all seasons, at all times, everything's going off. Because we actually need challenges, everybody. And sometimes we need to be smack bang in a storm to actually be in the will of God for our lives. But a whole lot less of those things will be self-inflicted when we live according to the Word of God. 
1 Kings 2 verse 3, it says, And observe what the Lord requires. Walk in obedience to Him and keep His decrees and commands, His laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. You know, we don't need to live out all of the law for salvation, but certainly to experience the best of what God has for us, we've got to get under the Word of God. Proverbs 13, 21 says, Aversity pursues sinners, but the righteous will be rewarded with prosperity. You know, we've been made righteous in Christ, but it's up to us now to live that out by the grace and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And living according to the Word of God positions us to prosper. I'll give you a couple of examples. The Bible tells us to let your yes be yes and your no be no. The Bible tells us to be quick to forgive. It says, if anything causes you to sin, cut it out of your life. It encourages you to do everything as though you were doing it for God. The Bible encourages us to live within our means. The Bible tells us a good man leaves an inheritance for his children. This affects how you steward your finances. The Bible tells us to pay our taxes. The Bible tells us to pray for our enemies. And the Bible tells us to live a life of service to others. That's just some low-hanging fruit where if you do those things, even just in your finance, you, you won't have to rebuke the devil nearly half as much. You won't need the miracle man because you're living within your means, you're paying your taxes, you're saving money for your children, you're letting your yes be yes and your no be no. You're doing everything as though it was for God. It's, it's so funny. I think we've got to be careful in the church that prosperity doesn't become a dirty word. It's not a dirty word. The Bible tells us if you honour the Word of God that your life will prosper. It doesn't mean you're going to have nine jet skis and a gold hummer. But what it does mean is that if you pay your taxes, live within your means, work hard, do everything as though you're doing it for God, very quickly you just find you live a, a good life. I say all that to say this, godly wisdom is understanding that I have a part to play in seeing the will of God alive in my life. Godly wisdom is, is being aware that I have a responsibility. Because if you're not careful, if you don't actually think that you've got a part to play, everything that happens in your life is God's fault. I didn't get blessed because God didn't bless me. I'm struggling in this way because God's allowing me to struggle or making me struggle. You've got to realise, guys, that God has given you some ability, some control over your life in the sense that your choices have an influence on your life. We need to partner with God and His Word. We need to partner with God and His Word. Otherwise, we're rebuking the devourer and we haven't opened our Bible in six months. But godly wisdom is having clarity on our responsibility that God, you're empowering me, you're encouraging me, you're helping me live according to the Word of God. And as I do that, my life is changing. Number two, godly wisdom breaks religion. Godly wisdom breaks religion. Now the word religion, um, the original language for it would suggest words like to bind or devotion. And that's a good thing. And when someone asks me whether I'm religious or not, depending on who asks me, I give a different response. I am religious in the sense that I'm very devoted to the teachings of Christ. I'm very committed to all of the things that a Christian person does. That's an overflow of what's in my heart. I wanna do all of that. If being religious means that you go to church on Sunday, you read your Bible and you pray a lot, I'm religious. But there's also a, a, a version of religion or a definition of religion that would be toxic. 
And that's when religion becomes a means to control life or to avoid life. Um, I've got a couple of little lines that I, I, would, I would coin it as. It's expression without faith. So it's doing the expressions of Christianity without faith. It's knowing the acts of God, but not the ways of God. It's the behaviours without the transformation. It's the instruction without the heart. It's the knowledge without the wisdom. It's the use of God for your own gain. It's your use of the church for your own gain. It's using the teachings of Christ to hurt rather than to heal. It's going through the motions. It's doing what a Christian does without being what a Christian is. That's the religion I'm talking about. And godly wisdom will break that, that religion. Um, 1 Timothy 1 verse 3 says this, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command a certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about or what they so confidently affirm. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practising homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me. Meaningless talk, hindering the advancing of the gospel by faith. Meaningless talk. But what it's suggesting is meaningless talk that is taking priority over doing what God has asked us to do. I'll give you some examples. We're going to land the plane. You might be like, what's going on? I'm going to land the plane. Me and Bianca were at the shops one day and this man who had left our church a long time ago um, and I know, I know him and I knew that he wasn't in church at all at this time. So we see him at the shops and he flags me down and he didn't say, hey, how you doing? How are you, Jordan? Haven't seen you in a few years. How's church? He didn't say anything like that. He just said, hey, the Euphrates River's dried up. And I said, sorry? <laughs> said, the Euphrates river, uh, river has dried up. Christ's coming back. What do you think? And I said, I looked at Bianca, I said, well, I'm ready to go. <laughs> and then I said to him, are you ready? And he, he didn't have an answer. He's like, well, uh, I don't, well, there's a whole lot of other stuff that's got to happen first and there's got to be this, that and the other and wars and this, that and rumours of wars and all that kind of stuff. And I just said to him, hey, the main thing is, if the river's dried up and Jesus comes back tomorrow, are you good to go? And he was like, well, I, I don't know. And I thought, imagine being so into the details of end times that you're not ready for it. <laughs> Knowledge is knowing what. Wisdom is knowing why. I know the Euphrates River's dried up. Yeah, great. But why is it drying up? Because Christ's coming back. Are you ready for Christ to come back? Uh, I don't know. Well, you should know. And you should be at church. <laughs> 
I hope he listens to this podcast. But I know he won't because he's reading a big book. You know, when we read the Word of God, everybody, this is such an important approach to take. When we read the Scripture, when we read principles, when we read uh, threads running through, it's God. What is the implication on my behaviour today? What is the implication on my behaviour today? Otherwise, it becomes religion. Whereas I know all about what's going to happen before Christ's return, but I haven't considered, am I living today as though He's coming back? Am I treating my spouse as though Christ's coming back? Am I treating the church as though Christ's coming back for His bride? Many of us who struggle to apply the simple seek to understand the complex, which distracts us from godly change. Many of us who struggle to apply the simple seek to understand the complex because it distracts us from godly change. I'll put it this way. Distracted by unnecessary details, delaying necessary change. It's great that you know how many candles were on the thing and what colours they were and how many eyes an angel has. But listen, are you paying your taxes? Are you honouring your mother and father? Can you stop being angry at your kids? I love that you know all the genealogies, but seriously, get to church. You know, many of us actually crave deep teaching, love deep teaching. I'm actually one of them. You might not believe that, but I actually love a bit of deep teaching. I am like that. But here's what we've got to be so careful to do, everybody. You've got to make sure that it runs deep into your heart and your character and your behaviour. Because depth on top without being stirred in is not depth, it's height. And you know, Milo, if if anyone likes doing a good eight scoops of Milo on the milk, it's just sitting on top. It's not, it's not in the depths yet until you really stir it in. So you can have all this head knowledge, everybody, about the Old Testament, the New Testament. You've unpacked the Torah. You've even read the Apocrypha. All that, you can read a bit of Hebrew. God bless you. But if it's just Milo on the top, unless it is seeping into your heart and your behaviour. Because even deep teaching isn't deep unless it gets to your heart and your character, ultimately transforming your life. Be careful not to be high. Be deep. (laughs) Some of the people talking the most about this stuff are just high. They're not deep. The ones quietly getting on with it, as the Scripture suggested at the start, their lives, you can observe the wisdom. They're deep people. The Bible speaks to this as a matter of looking at my own heart first, the speck and the log. It talks about don't point out the speck in my eye when you've got a log in your own one. It's, it's a matter of priority, of personal responsibility. What is God asking me to change? What's the low-hanging fruit in the Word that I need to apply first? Before I get stuck into addressing false prophets, how am I going with unforgiveness? How am I going with pride? How is my addiction going? Before I start getting stuck into Pastor Jordan's messages. I nearly said Pastor Div, but no one gets stuck into them. They're tight. You know, we've got to be careful too, guys, because sometimes we say, that person's deep. They're into the deeper things of God. We actually drill into it and say, why do you say that? Well, because of the way they talk. Well, I would would rather someone say, that guy's into the deeper teachings because of the way he lives. That's the goal. Because deep is not seen straight away. It's seen in fruit over years. And it's holistic, where Christ is not a compartment of your life. And His Word has gone beyond the layers. It's gone to your soul. It's gone past your appearance. It's in your speech. It's in your family. It's, it's, it's changing everything. And now it's bearing fruit. 
in your appearance and your speech and your family. Because you, know, you could explain every meaning in the book of Revelation and still not be deep. So a lot of, today, a lot of people equate deep teaching with that they explain the background. But sometimes we want to hear about the history of Corinth so that I don't have to hear about how the implications of those teachings affect me. Now, I would say I am a simple preacher. I'm a very simple preacher. And simple does not mean shallow or simplistic. Simple can often mean clear. Um, deep can sometimes just be mud, muddy. Muddy enough for me to miss the implications on my behaviour. Real deep produces real change. Godly wisdom breaks religion where I'm deceived, I'm I'm in delusion about how the Word of God actually applies to me today. Breaks hypocrisy off your life, which is really a form of religion. It, It breaks that high horse faith where you're on your high horse about your faith. It It changes... A head faith that's not translated into your heart yet, godly wisdom will help do that. Godly wisdom will help move stuff that's on your hands, but it's not in your heart yet. Godly wisdom will get it into your heart. And it also, godly wisdom will help get what's in your head, faith in your head, onto your hands. Number three, godly wisdom spurs on others. Godly wisdom spurs on others. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 to 25 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Matthew 5, 16, In the same way, Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What a picture, seeing the good deeds, the things that God's doing in someone's life, so much so that they give God glory. 1 Peter 2 verse 12, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. You know, godly wisdom, everybody, is seen. Godly wisdom, you can see it. You can observe it. Maybe not in 10 minutes, but definitely in 10 years. And in such a way that when God's doing a transformative work in your life, when, come on, you've partnered with God in the application of His wisdom from the Word, you're breaking religion off your life. You you love the Euphrates River, but you also love your family and you love your church and you're trying to honour God in everything that you do. What that does is it gives God glory. It's so much so that other people start to say, look at their life. Isn't God good? I wanna do exactly what that guy's doing so that I can experience the goodness of God as well. It's seen. You, you, know, you know what's better than telling someone you're on a diet? Them telling you. This has happened to me. I was telling everybody, I'm like, hey, I'm on a diet. I'm on a diet. I'm trying this eating plan. Everyone's like, oh, cool. And it's like, just, just started, have you? It's like, not exactly, no. Nah, you know what's better is when someone says to you, are you on a diet? And you can say, well, actually, yes, I am. But, actually I am, I'm trying to. Anyway, (laughs) you know what's even better than telling someone you're wise on your Twitter? Them telling you? Because they watch you with your family and they watch you at your church and they go, you haven't posted anything in a while. 
but you're a bit of a legend. I've watched you for years. It spurs other people on towards good works. You know, you sometimes get people not talking. They're, they're not big talkers. They're not trying to get online and say stuff. They're not standing up in the lobby and, you know, making an announcement, whatever. But they have a platform of credibility because people are watching them. And their life has built a platform of credibility. And then sadly, the opposite is true and definitely of my generation nowadays. Some people have a lot to say and no one is listening (laughs) because people watch you before they listen to you and they've watched you and it's not spurred them. You know, sadly, even today with social media, the culture there, today's pattern is I grow an audience, that gives me credibility, then I come up with what the content's gonna be. It used to be I have credibility. I've carved something out. So let me write the content and then they develop an audience. Now we're chasing an audience. We're trying to have something to say and no one is listening. It's a backwards thing and that is earthly wisdom. I'm going to carve this out myself. I'm going to be self-made. I'm going to be cutthroat. I'm going to hustle. I'm going to get on the grind. I'm going to make it all the way to the top. I'm going to be the top dog. That's earthly wisdom. And it comes to ruin. Godly wisdom is God every day. Help me to be sincere, peace-loving. Help me to be submissive and full of mercy and patient. Help me to be someone that forgives quickly. God, may, may my life give You glory before I have to open my mouth. May my life give You glory before I have to post something or say something or release a book that no one asked for. God, help my life to have a platform of credibility because I'm simply applying Your Word. I'm applying Your Word. I've got clarity on my responsibility. God, help me to break religion. And Father, help my life to spur on others. You know, wisdom, godly wisdom, true wisdom is found in the Word of God. And it starts with the fear of God, a reverence, a healthy honour, a surrender to God. At that point and at that point only can God begin to bring great wisdom into your life so that you can experience the life that He has for you. Christianity is not a promise of a perfect life. What it is, is it's a promise of eternity. It's a promise of God's presence in this life. It's a promise of God's power in this life. You will still experience challenges and pain, everybody, but you'll create a whole lot less of it yourself. When you talk about a self-made man, the only things I made myself are the messes in my life. All the good things is the grace of God and me by faith saying, I I don't know what to do, but I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. I'm going to live simply, humbly. I'm going to live within my means. I'm going to be quick to forgive. I'm going to try and be patient. Holy Spirit, help me to not get angry. Holy Spirit, help me not to buy that jet ski and draw out a new credit card when I don't have the money. All those sorts of things. I keep saying jet skis. Someone in here maybe was going to buy a jet ski and today was, God's just speaking to you. Someone on the front row, but um. Come on, godly wisdom clarifies our responsibility. It breaks religion and it spurs on others. Hey, may we be a church full of people living with godly wisdom. May we be a people full of godly wisdom. For you and your family, may you be a family that is being built upon godly wisdom. Wisdom builds the house. It's not your wisdom. It's not what you come up with. It's not your top five tips or whatever it is. 
Say, God, I don't have the answer within myself. I don't have the ability within myself. I am turning to You in faith, in the Name of Jesus, for You to do something great in my life. Can we stand? Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.